Whoa, you're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. What is the podcastmatrix.com? They all wear uniforms. They're honored to wear the badge. They defend life and property and carry guns. While they're often called superheroes, they, in the end, are humans, just like you and I. This is WhatCopsWatch.com. I'm Captain Chris Giuseppe. I'm an author, a screenwriter, and I've been in law enforcement for over 20 years. I'm Mike Wilkerson, the media generator with thousands of entertainment podcast reviews across a decade plus, loaded and ready for bear. The television programming is out there. The feature films are bigger, more action-packed than ever, and out there too. It's a growing world of media, both on and offline, but what do cops watch? Get ready to cross the yellow podcast tape and learn more about the thin blue line. It's time for another episode of WhatCopsWatch.com. It is the vehicle that carries the President of the United States, Air Force One. The words conjure visions of honor, glory, presidential pride. In 1997, we were given a film called Air Force One, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, starring Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, and a bunch of foundational patriotism. It's time for the WhatCopsWatch.com perspective review of 1997's Air Force One on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Chris DiGiuseppe, your other host. And this is Phil Tracy of the Presidential Bio Podcast. I love having multiple hosts, mostly because, as usual, we get to watch the film together before we actually do the perspective review. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's it's always a great bit of fun. A lot of the audience is familiar with Chris and WhatCopsWatch.com in general. You're familiar with me, but you may not yet be familiar with Super Duper Philly Cheesesteak. Not yet, but Phil you will. Tracy, yeah. Phil Tracy is the host of the Presidential Bio Podcast, which if you're listening to this podcast now, has recently launched over at presidentialbio.com. Very exciting to have you aboard the network, but more importantly, you are helping us appreciate presidents yes. that have really achieved greatness over their careers. Absolutely. You know, it is interesting. If you haven't picked up on the Presidential Bio Podcast, it is fantastic to hear about some of the information behind a lot of these presidents, who they were, what their yeah. presidency was like, and what they did after. It really yeah. is interesting. I, I, what I would essentially compare the Presidential Bio Podcast to is it is the treadmill detail of what happens for presidents. It's not just their highlights. It's not just their deaths, i.e. JFK. Right. It's, a, it's really a great amalgam of super educational information that follows all of the presidents. Um, we've currently got four that are pushed out with a whole bunch more coming in the next year. Right. More importantly, especially the way that the election is going to shake out here, it's presidents to revere. Because I think all three of us can agree currently, it's going to be a very tough, difficult choice on election day to figure out who's going to get that actually benefits the country. It Absolutely. is interesting. Yeah. But it's it's nothing less we would expect an educational piece from Two Guys Talking. Uh, too true. Too true. As for, for those of you that are curious, Two Guys Talking doesn't generally jump into anything politics, except, of course, to educate people about the previous politicians. Um, it's also the reason why we've not only got this podcast, the 
uh, perspective review of Air Force One, but we've also got the perspective review of Dave. Right. Chris and I finished that out just last week. We're pushing that out this week as well. And again, it's all about presidents that you like and can handle revering. So that's what we're doing with these two podcasts. Remember, for Chris, you can go over to whatcopswatch.com, look at everything that we've done over the last couple of years. It's all great super educational and full of specialists that can tell you exactly what would happen inside of real life that happens in the movies that's thumbs up or thumbs down right over at presidentialbio.com you'll find all of the existing episodes of presidentialbio.com with my friend phil tracy here go and check those out now when you get a chance you can find all the links to do all this over at twoguystalking.com a quick little bit of housekeeping two is one one is none it's a very popular phrase, especially inside the special forces and survival circles, in that you always want to have a backup of some kind. Well, thankfully, Two Guys Talking now has two studios. Count them, two studios. Not only the one located just outside of St. Louis in St. Charles, Missouri, but also now one inside of St. Louis, inside the Central West End, five blocks north from BJC downtown. Very exciting taken on a, a great new role because frankly I have a lot of voiceover people that are in St. Louis that just hate driving out to St. Charles uh, crossing the bridge depending on which side of the bridge you actually live on mm -hmm. is always a giant question mark and so what we've done is we've opened up an area there opened up a new studio headed up by Kevin Harvell another podcaster <clears throat> who is in charge of the Who's Who in St. Lou podcast mm -hmm. you can check out all of his stuff over at whostl.com and it's great to be partnering with him to create another Two Guys Talking Podcast Network studio dedicated to podcast capture Check it out right now over on Facebook. Type in Two Guys Talking East, and you'll be able to like that page, but then also find out pictures, all kinds of cool stuff about the new studio. It's great stuff. Enough housekeeping, enough around the table. It's time to jump aboard Air Force One during the perspective view of 1997's Air Force One, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Sponsored by Sprint's Relay Missouri. Bloggers Bug. The Editor Core and VoiceFarmers.com. Is your business or organization looking to support law enforcement? Be sure to check out the perpetual advertising programs available at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The hype. Now, Phil, you've never done a perspective review no. of us. And so the hype, to educate both you and the audience, the hype is where we talk about what we remember when we saw this movie. Like, where did you go see it? Were there a bunch of people in the theater? Or what kind of hype before the movie did you see? Those are all things that we talk about inside this, this sector of the podcast. Chris, where do you remember seeing this film? I don't remember where I saw it. Really? I just... I, it was one of those movies that was lumped you into have a foggy haze of like the pretty middle much. and late nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens when I go to a theater or don't go to a theater. It's more or less I don't know Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. Yeah. So yeah, the Jack Ryan movies, Patriot Games, Air Force mm -hmm. One. You mm -hmm. know, all the way back to uh, all the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, mm -hmm. all the Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I mean. Star Wars, what can you say? It's Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's great stuff. And I know that I had seen it on DVD. Mm -hmm. I cannot remember if I'd seen it in the theater. Okay. But like I said, it was one of those movies that was lumped in with all the other great Harrison Ford movies. And there are a ton of them, yeah. Phil, do you remember where you see, saw this you, movie first? You know, much like Chris, at first I thought to myself, uh, is this Jack Ryan? Which movie am I watching here? <laughs> yeah, but I do remember uh, after watching the movie and the, toward the end when the... Can I talk about the fact that the plane crashed? Actually, no, you can't. Oh, sorry Actually, about that. I take sorry. that back then. 
<laughs> there was a part of that movie that made me remember I was on a date. I went to a movie theater. I saw this <laughs> in the movie theater. And I remember being, I know I was on a date back in the late 90s. That's oh, why wow. I knew this was 97 or 98 whenever this movie came out. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, this was a very interesting year for Mike Wilkerson. And why I remember this movie is because the week that this came out was two weeks after I was in a horrible car accident. Wow. Hmm. A life-changing car accident where I mm-hmm. broke my right arm and my right leg. Mm-hmm. And as back then, as a certified sign language interpreter, what that oh. means is that I can't interpret if I don't have the use of both <laughs> of my arms. What happened to your face, though? Uh, yeah, I haven't been able to figure <laughs> that you. one out. I'm it's a black hole, right? <laughs> I remember this movie coming out, and I remember not being able to go to the theater to see it. Mm. But I did see it when it came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And I, it's another giant, great mm-hmm. Harrison Ford film. Yeah. that continues to fuel imaginations, uh, but also presidential pride. Because again, yeah. why we're putting this movie into the focal point of what CopsWatch.com's perspective review is because you revere the president inside of this right. more than probably any other president you can immediately think of, but also the ones that are coming up. Right. And and so um, I, I love the character that Harrison plays inside of this movie. It's, it's, a, it's a great patriotic flush that you get that mm-hmm. uh, it's why i love watching this movie that's where we ask you guys where did you guys see air force one did you see it in the theater was it with a bunch of people did you go when you were alone let us know how you saw air force one by going over to our website that's whatcopswatch.com click on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us where did you see air force One? the money one of my favorite segments inside of every single perspective review, regardless of flavor of ice cream, is the section when we talk about money. Movies like Air Force One traditionally make lots and lots and lots of money, even over a period of time. But what is always fun is it's great to see what it has made both domestically, but then also worldwide, and then a total number. Chris, do you have any idea what this movie made domestically over the years since its release? I'm going to guess $70 million. $70 million. That's a good guess. Philly cheesesteak, what do you got? $82 million. $82 million. You know what? You guys add both your numbers together, that's what it made. Wow. Good <laughs> for good. them. Look at that. It's teamwork already without <laughs> any intention whatsoever. $173 million made by this wow. movie domestically. And then, now get this. The foreign intake on this. Let's have you guys shoot the moon. Phil, uh, the foreign intake? That's got to be $82 million. $82 million. Okay, $82 million for Philly cheesesteak and? $100 million. A hundred million. So together it would be a hundred and eighty some million. <laughs> the answer is a hundred and forty two million. So that's a, wow. a grand worldwide take to date of three hundred and fifteen million dollars. That was a worthwhile wow. movie. Yes. It was a definitive worldwide movie. And what I always call them inside of our perspective reviews when they're like this, they're corn combines of cash. Sure. It continues to eat and eat and eat. And one of the big reasons that we're going to hit over and over again is because this movie is revered by people. Mm-hmm. People watch this movie and you can stand behind them what the president is doing. Even overseas. It, right. it, it's totally true. And Which country? You know, Which country yeah. did it make, other than the United States, which country did it make the most It uh, It doesn't list the countries, mm-hmm. but what we will do inside the show notes for this episode, we'll link over to the box office mojo listing for okay. Air Force One. And for those of you that are looking for information about movies and in particular mm-hmm. the money that they make over the years, make sure you check out boxofficemojo.com. The good. The soundtrack. Those of you that have been listening to Two Guys Talking since the day we started Two Guys Talking now, my God. How many years? 13 years Ooh, ago. Lucky How 13. How is that? 
We have been talking about soundtracks, more importantly, scores, which mm-hmm. actually score is more appropriate inside this one because, you know, there's no songs with lyrics and blah. But inside of this movie, the score slash soundtrack is spectacular. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly patriotic. Yep. It makes you, it, it gives you that, that burst of adrenaline inside of your body when you listen in a variety of different points that we'll talk about during the review. But I wanted all of you to go and buy a copy of the Air Force One score, which you can get by going to our website, again, over at whatcopswatch.com. Click anywhere inside of this perspective review window, and you'll be able to go not only buy that soundtrack, but then give us a little bit of kickback when you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's great stuff. It's used incredibly appropriately. There is no lost music here where they're just playing sound to have something play, right? which is something that does plague current movies, I think. Yeah. Chris, you, you love to talk about the pacing of things. We always right. do. And music plays a huge part in sound Absolutely. It, it, either, it will either pull you in to the movie or it, uh, it'll set the wrong tone. It can even jettison you. Right. There are many uh, feature films nowadays. One of the recent DC movies that has come out recently, I think it's a really great sample where you are, my opinion, you are jerked out of the moment Mm -hmm. because you have to insert a really cool hip song Mm -hmm. to go along with the ass-kicking butt destruction (laughs) inside of modern-day movies. And it's distracting. It's exactly what you're talking about. Right. Fan of scores? Uh, follow scores? You film? know, it's funny. You know, we talked about that before the movie started. And uh-huh. uh, I guess a lot of times I don't really even recognize the score. But sure. in this, because this was an action film and it really was action constantly, yeah. it was interesting how the music was playing along and you knew when something big was going to happen. And yeah. it, it was, I thought it was very good. Yeah. yeah I, I see. It, it's incredibly well done. And again, I would encourage all of you to go buy a copy. Again, that's over at whatcopswatch.com. Click anywhere where you see the Air Force One Perspective Review banner. And you, too, can own a copy of a spectacular soundtrack. Uh, it's also incredibly cheap, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. No, I did not. Yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff. It's super memorable and a piece that will do wonders inside of your score collection. The Dead Remember Speech. A president you can stand behind. We've had every manner of president over the years and featured inside of feature films. There's no, mm-hmm. no question about it. The reason, again, why we're doing the Air Force One Perspective Review, to hammer it home very boldly, is that this is a president I know, especially with my political lean, I can absolutely get behind. Right. Sure. There, there is so much commonsensical fact that I knew, even when I was an 18-year-old, that is mm-hmm. included in the dialogue of this president inside this movie. I, I, I love that. And we, mm-hmm. we don't have enough of that inside of modern-day film or television making, my right. opinion. Right. It's missing from just about every show where either one of the politicians or a president is doing something wrong. Right. Uh, when we look at the political debates, look, it's a bunch of six-year-olds currently. Right. And so having someone that will stand up in front of not even a, an alien audience, but a rival audience. Right. Remember, when this movie starts, they're in Russia. Right, right, right. I love that, making bold statements, setting a line, and then following the line that you need other people to tow so you'll succeed. That all makes total sense to me. Right, and it it encompasses, I guess, for me, it encompasses all of the the qualities that we want to see in a president. Even though it's a fictional character that they're creating here, it's somebody who stands up, displays courage, and says the things you want the president to say mm-hmm. and actually acts presidential. Yeah. 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 A president who 
truly believes that our country is the strongest country on the face of the earth, which I truly believe, mm -hmm. and actually will stand up and say we don't negotiate with terrorists, which I think it's important that we get back to being the leader of the free world. And there's, I think this is a, is a good example of it. There's also something to be said for what I'm now just outright calling extreme ownership. JockoPodcast.com. All of you can find all kinds of great videos from a man named Jocko Willink. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a wonderful series of podcasts. Jocko Willink, the the quick short short story. He is a former Navy SEAL in charge of a group called Bruiser inside of the city of Ramadi, defending it for a long period of time. Uh, what he has done is he's bringing in leaders, former teammates, to talk about leadership. And one thing that he talks about through just about every episode is something called extreme ownership, and it's owning what you are responsible for. Mm -hmm. Even if you are not directly responsible, in particular, if you're a leader, owning the problem and then figuring a way to figure out the problem. Right. I love that we see that inside of this film. Right. I love when I see it inside of just samples where even if you are not responsible, you can take it on and then take that as a, a task to then get done and see what you can do to solve the problem. And that display of righteousness. Yes. That... that they display the the values of being a leader and taking responsibility yeah. beyond what sometimes, unfortunately, normally happens in yes. politics. Yes, well, I think is way too often the norm currently. <laughs> right, it's too easy to spin. Mm -hmm. uh, Phil, you and I talk at length about how the spin is huge. Absolutely, inside of modern American day politics. And I think the problem also is in today's politics. The, our leaders are more worried about polls and putting their finger up into the wind saying, hey, what, what do people want to see today? Yeah. Instead of taking the true leadership role, like you were saying, Chris, right. and just saying, hey, look, you know, I'm going to do what's right for this country and right. taking that stand. Yeah. And I, I think people, though, are searching for the leader that stands up. I agree. Says, look, right. I'm not looking for popularity. I'm looking to do what's right. And they use that line in the movie. It was great writing, great dialogue. And they felt that that's what's going to attract the audience, yeah. and they were right. And what I also love is that it's not just shooting the middle to gather audience inside the movie. Mm -hmm. There's clearly stuff that, depending on your political lean, you would definitely disagree with going on inside of this movie. Right. Which actually brings us to the next point. Black Ops. You get to see very quick, reasonably ham-handed, I think, inside of this, the collection of a foreign dignitary... I guess a, an imposed foreign dignitary. We see that America and Russia partners up to go and get General Raddick. Awesome. Right. Love it. Right. That kind of deciding to go and do things and then doing it mm -hmm. reminds me very much of what we have now in the not capture and killing of Osama bin Laden. We have a plan. There were no partners because we didn't trust anybody to go and do it, but we took the ownership. We went and did it and it got done. Right. I love that and why there can't be more of that kind of problem solving that's initiated inside of modern day politics. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. If politicians are looking for the button that you can push and have things happen, that's one of them. Mm -hmm. I agree. En route to Air Force One. What do you guys think? Uh, in real life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's going to be, you're going to have to go through some type of uh, metal detector or something. In the uh, terminal, in the terminal, or whatever. This one was there was a little rope around it, and they had to walk through it. The movie that right. that seemed a little far fetched, but <laughs> yeah, I I, tr I truly don't know. I I think that uh, some of the security protocols that they had in place, you know, the dogs and the uh, identification and things like that. I'm sure there are very very heavy protocols. Oh yeah, that they 
they yeah. had yeah. in place. Um, yeah. And right. I would think those protocols have doubled since 2001, oh, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's something that we'll actually talk about later on inside this podcast is that, again, for those of you that have forgotten, this is from 1997. Sure. When getting on an airplane, not Air, not Air Force One, obviously, but getting on an airplane at all was a completely different sure. experience. Right. That and just aircraft security in general has completely changed. Um, right. 9-11 changed the world without question. Uh, right. Aircraft security morphed into something completely different. Yep. That actually brings me to another point that we were going to make new, but we could just lump it in here. Taking the plane and what taking the plane used to mean for mm -hmm. bad guys. Right. 9-11, without question, changed, haha, the perspective of what we think about can happen and will happen with planes now. You getting on a plane with between 50 and a couple of hundred other people mm -hmm. now understand the volatility of someone trying to take the plane. Right. It's not just, and now we're going to fly back to the airport and we're going to be hostages for a series of hours. Mm -hmm. They're going to get on a helicopter and go fly off to wherever. That is not the case anymore. No. It like zero. And They're, it's not it's not just the plane either. Right. It's every hostage situation. Mm -hmm. When we go into hostage situations these days, mm -hmm. uh, we go into it thinking we have an active shooter that's going to go in and just kill everyone. Mm -hmm. Not I'm going to take hostages, make demands because you know, frankly, the response, and I can talk of the response of mm -hmm. law enforcement. Sure. It used to be set up the perimeter, find out what the demands are, get a hostage negotiator in here, mm -hmm. and go from there. Yeah. Uh, these days, you know, after we had, uh, you know, a lot of the school shootings and such, mm -hmm. it's you you have to change your response. Your response is now go eliminate the threat. Mm -hmm. Go in. You don't set up the perimeter or you wait until uh, demands are made or whatever. Everybody's dead. You know, just the response to a terrorist situation or a uh, shooting situation or a hostage situation, mm -hmm. there's no hostages that are being taken right. these days. It's right. it's acts of terrorism where they're out just to do maximum damage and kill people. Right. And when you evoke an airliner, you know, yeah, all, all, all <clears throat> the gloves come off. Right. Now. Right. Back then, no, not so much. Um, I, I've kind of had my, my head stuck inside of all kinds of really super informative 9-11 specials via mm -hmm. YouTube over the last month. Right. And there's some really great, interesting stuff that gives you perspective on what was and what is now because of 9-11. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, again, the bad guys taking a plane back then, mm -hmm. something completely different. Right. Uh, obviously, that it's Air Force One inside of this movie makes it another... It's a completely different branch of anything that we're thinking about. Right. But taking a plane... Uh, I, I always tell people on another flying, I always tell them, take the plane. And I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, dimes to dollars, you either take the plane and you're probably going to die, or you don't take the plane, you're going to die anyway, right. and something really bad's going to happen. Right. So, again, if you're flying, take the plane. And, again, taking the plane means something completely different now. Yep. The layout of Air Force One and the real-life NAOC. Thank you again, YouTube. The real-life NAOC is the jet mm -hmm. that is the jet that has all of the important stuff on it. Right. It's not Air Force One, but there are stations inside of Air Force One that are very much like the NAOC. The NAOC is literally the, I'm going to launch assault from you from this airplane onto anywhere that the Secretary of Defense wants to. Mm -hmm. That's what this plane does. And there is a definitive, detailed, watch this guy walk throughout the entire plane video that mm -hmm. I'm going to post because it's on YouTube, mm -hmm. and you guys can go and look at it. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it was, 
you realize that Air Force One is done completely on sets, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't go get an airplane and then manufacture the airplane. What they what they made was Hollywood sets, and the sets are incredibly well done and right. approximate to what you see inside of real life, but they are definitively not real life. And you'll see why, because you'll look at the real life Nahawk and go, yeah, you can't run full stride bouncing your legs left and right everywhere inside of a plane. It does it does not work like that. Right. You, the, you all have seen the pictures of what is either previous Air Force Ones or the current one, whatever they green light. Mm -hmm. And what you'll note is there's lots of space. Right. There's not as much space as you see inside of Air Force One anywhere. <laughs> That's at least interesting. I, I'd be interested in seeing that video to yeah. make a comparison. Yeah. It's very interesting. And see that they span the entire the whole thing. The cockpit, every essentially viable service from the what used to be the cargo bay that now holds this gargantuan five mile wire hmm. that it's for an antenna huh. that sticks out the back of the plane wow i didn't realize that uh, it's it, it's amazing stuff again i'll link it up via youtube because i happened to find it when i was doing research for air force one and uh it, it really is interesting and the guy walks the cameraman throughout the thing so you get a really great perspective of this is how tall a dude is he looks average you know mm -hmm. it's probably phil's height Definitely not nearly as thick as Phil. I mean, uh -huh. let's let's be let's be or sexy. Let's, or let's get definitely well, not yeah, as sexy. <laughs> yeah, not as sexy. And it's amazing that you can go and watch all that on YouTube years ago. Oh my I'm gosh! Sure yeah, that that was some type of uh, yeah. national security oh, yeah. secret. Yeah. And, you, um, you know, it's it's funny that but, you mentioned that. But what what is a national security secret <laughs> anymore, anymore right? these days? <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. Obviously, yeah. I have my own server, by the way. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, nothing uh, is sacred. Yeah, I, I actually made a website for a fire department, and right after 9/11, they had me remove all of the engines, all of the all the vehicles mm -hmm. inside of it, and the reason. Mm -hmm was because they didn't want somebody to duplicate one of the engines or fire-slash-rescue response vehicles mm -hmm. and fill it full of explosives and then put it somewhere important. Right. That's the kind of operational security I would expect. Yeah. Being able to have a walkthrough of a running, viable NAOC, mm -hmm. would have never guessed you can go and get it, but you can. Right. You can go right now via the link over at the website and check it all out. Right. You know what's interesting also? It would be interesting to compare... Air Force One from president to president because they do change, right? Yes, Different right. South yeah. planes. And I know a number of the presidential libraries, like Reagan's, for example, his Air Force One is there and you can walk okay. through it. And I think oh, Nixon wow. has at his. At the airport? Or, uh, uh, at it's the actually library? built into the library, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is hmm. cool. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Just because you know it's, you know, in the 70s, it wasn't as big as yeah. the 80s and so on and so forth. Yeah. 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 Oh, and uh, again, another great picture from history. I don't know about great is the right word, but another impactful picture from history is when uh, LBJ is being sworn in as president aboard mm -hmm. Air Force One. Right. So again, that super cramped space. There's, I don't know, there's 15 people in a room where mm -hmm. if you tried putting 16 in, someone's eyeballs would pop out. Right. right. You know, there's just not a lot of room inside of Air Force One, but uh, mm -hmm. that, that video will give you a really great understanding of what a plane this size back then right. would look like if it was stacked full of chairs and computer mm -hmm. servers and whatever else. Wonderful, practical special effects. Now, there are many CGI effects inside of this film, mm -hmm. but there are some wonderful practical special effects. In particular, many of the jet scenes between either Air Force One or the standard right. jets. Yeah, those mm -hmm. were good. They're I mean, good. they're really good. They are really, yep. really, really good. And I wish that we could see this kind of quality inside of every movie that we see aircraft. Right. We don't. Traditionally, nowadays, in fact, this one was one as well, where they started to use CGI inside of it. You don't see the quality 
and what you get is a whole bunch of dynamic camera angles and you started getting some of that inside of this but they still were able to use that practical use inside of this film it, to look good it right. was interesting in this movie and again if you think that this movie is almost 20 years old right 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 some of the special effects in the cgi that was very good the only one that wasn't good is when the plane is rolling and tumbling into the ocean at the end that's the only one that didn't look very good but yes. otherwise it was all in all I, I thought pretty good considering the age yeah a president that does not cut and run. We all have talked about the ejector pod slash escape pod, whatever we're going to call it this week, and whether or not a president would be cowardly if they got into it or were forced into it by Secret Service agents right. and then was deposited into safety rather than being in peril anymore. Right. And I know that as I've gotten older, I definitely look at it completely differently now. Mm -hmm. If I am a Secret Service agent... I am taking the president by the back of the scruff, just right, like right. these guys did. And he's sure. going. Shoving him in there, and he's gone. Right. Back then, watching this for the first time, I can remember, yeah, you know, that's awesome that a president is not going to cut and run. Mm -hmm. What we unfortunately have to look at here, however, is that the president is taking his own life into his hands inside of this film. Right. I love that I can look at this movie now this many years later and know that it is a balancing act between storytelling, wannabe patriotism, and real life. Right, right. Absolutely. That's why I do these perspective reviews, because I remember what I thought when I thought when I was a brash twenty-seven-year-old kid, and now that I am forty-six years old, looking at this film, it's a completely different perspective. Right. Yeah, and you know it's funny when you let's go to real life for a second. Right, Ronald Reagan is president. He's only been president for a few months, and John Hinckley shoots him. Right. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know he's shot, but the Secret Service agents grab him and shove him into the limousine mm -hmm. and land on top of him. And he thinks he's broken a rib because they were being too aggressive with him. Mm -hmm. right. But, I mean, this was their job, right, to protect yeah. the president. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, we find out later that Reagan was shot. But going back to what you were saying, grabbing him by the scruff of the neck, that is their job, to yeah. make sure that he's protected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is interesting. In the story, Reagan was ticked off with these guys like, what are you being so rough with me for? You hurt me more than this guy did. Yeah. And then it comes out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. The secret knowledge factor. Just like those of you that send me hate mail about all of the times I talk about soundtracks and sound design inside of podcasting, I love to talk about secret knowledge. And what I'm referring mm -hmm. to here, for those of you that are uninitiated, is when they use foreign languages inside of films and they choose to not give you outright subtitles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I am, of course, cheating because in many movies, when they're speaking a foreign language, the closed captioning that I have on all the time because my wife is deaf mm -hmm. and because I like watching it with the captioning on gives me the spelling of names and whatever else. It's tremendous mm -hmm. because what they're not giving you by not you not knowing the language is this tiny little piece of secret knowledge that you wouldn't have otherwise, mm -hmm. especially if you're watching the closed captioning. I love that little dip into real world, even if they're doing something outlandish but that they're using something in a foreign language inside the storytelling, bully for that. Mm -hmm. I Absolutely. love that. The most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, which we review every week over at agentsofshield.tv, it uses some exquisite secret knowledge scenes inside mm -hmm. of a scene where doom befalls this very chubby fat dude inside of a jail cell. Mm -hmm. It is electric. It is absolutely hmm. engaging. And again, I want you all, we'll link that up inside the show notes for this episode too. Because it is it is the perfect sample of what is secret knowledge. 
The difference is that inside of that one, they do give you the subtitles. So you do know what they're saying. But when they do it and they don't tell you what they're saying, I love that even more. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people think that using foreign languages inside of films is a giant speed bump. And... I think I would agree, unless you want to learn more about what you're, yeah, what you're experiencing. You know what's funny is it does get your attention, though, because in the movie, like, they're talking to each other, and there's no subtitles, like, I wonder what they said to each other. And you're trying to figure it out by what the next scene is. The con right. Yeah, the context. Yeah. Uh, the guy's talking inside of the hallways in Russian to each other. Right. Inside the halls. Uh, there's a couple of scenes where Gary Oldman is screaming things yeah. in Russian, and we kind of put our own little subtitle yeah. track in there on our own. <laughs> right. And it was fun, but that curiosity is what I really love about scenes like that. Right. A point-blank execution and damage. Now, I don't like seeing people get shot in the head. Me neither. No. Duh. But when you do inside of a film, and then not only does blood and bullet shot appear, but... On the wall behind them, you can also see damage. Bully for that. That they're willing to do that inside of what is obviously a modern-day America film. I want them to do that because I want people to understand that. I don't want people to see a bunch of people shot in the head. Right. But I want people to understand that when you fire a bullet from a gun, it doesn't see a wall and go, oh, I'm not going any further. Right. There's a reality right. there, right? Yeah. It's coming out the other end. Yeah. yeah. And the bigger picture, I guess, with that is the establishment of the bad guy. I mean... I think that when people watch a film like this, if you're going to establish that mindset of the psychopath that mm -hmm. you have in this movie mm -hmm. and they insert scenes like this, it it defines them. It defines it that character. Yeah, it does. And as they make that more realistic, you know, the audience hates it more, but they like the film more. It's the villain poker moment. Right. Where mm -hmm. they get to show you just how all in they actually right. are. Right. And it doesn't get more all in than shooting a guy from, what, two feet away? Yeah. Point blank in the head and he drops in front of everybody, and, horrifying them. And I'm not, I'm not for a bunch of blood and gore, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I don't know I don't know that it was completely overboard in this no, movie. Right. No, and I, I, I don't think that it was. No, uh, it shows you how ruthless the guy was and what yeah. they were trying to achieve, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Paying off ruthlessness, especially inside of movies like this, I think it's a giant bonus. Sorting through baggage. I know I hate it when I come back from a trip and I got to figure out where everything got to. Mm -hmm. So I can't even imagine being the president digging through bags to try and find something that you need when none of it's yours. Right. Probably the president's stuff is up <laughs> in his cabin. So right. the 1997 secured link phone or whatever he was, whatever yeah. it was that he found in the yeah. bag, wasn't that? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It was in one of the bags. I mean, as was the uh, the instruction book, which I found right. was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, that the instruction book was there was awesome. Hopefully that was some sort of survival kit for somebody. Because yeah. I don't know anybody that actually keeps the, to quote Flossie Carter over on YouTube, the books and shit. <laughs> right. Nobody keeps the books and shit. <laughs> but, anymore. you know, it was it, it added that sense of reality. And yeah. I think yeah, yeah. when you get into Harrison Ford, who's just an outstanding actor, when they wrap that sense of reality yeah. where – the audience can go, oh, you know, yeah, you're right. I've been there. Yeah, I, you're, you're calling, and then you got to provide. Right. You know, you got they're going to charge you a dollar to right, go ahead. Absolutely. And you remember that? Sure. You, you'd call uh, information, and <laughs> yeah. they'd say, uh, well, now we're going to charge you a dollar if you want us to automatically connect you. Hey, you know what? It's a little little thing. It's a yeah. little piece that they wrote in there, but it's, it's great because yeah. back in 1997, you've done that. Absolutely. And you're yeah. thinking, and then you got in trouble, you know, from whoever at home that had to pay the phone bill. <laughs> yeah. When you yeah. had the dollar charge on there, right? right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's exquisite, and you're absolutely right on the Harrison Ford factor. We're going to hit that a couple of other times, too. Hitting the Harrison Ford factor on literally, it's great to see someone awkward. Right. I think people forget that Harrison Ford is probably the most gifted, awkward actor right. that is acting. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, at all. But that's why he connects to the audience. Yeah, he absolutely does. And the first time I remember seeing it, it was when it was emulated by a guy playing a younger Indiana Jones in mm -hmm. the third Indiana Jones film. Mm -hmm. River Phoenix plays young Indiana Jones inside of that. And when he's this kind of wide-stepping, goofy step down the, the bluffs inside of that desert scene, mm -hmm. it's like, look, it's Harrison Ford. Except it's not Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. And so what River Phoenix did was he actually copied... The awkward, stumbly right. step of Harrison Ford yeah. to make it look like it's him. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love that. And you can see that completely through this movie. Even when he's throwing punches that should be these wild cowboy punches. They're, they're punches made by a dude that can throw and probably know how to throw a punch, but probably hasn't thrown a punch in 20 years. Right. Sure. And I love that. He absolutely captures that inside of every fight. And I, I would have to think that the writers sit down and think that through and say, okay, realistically, what... What is current? What is uh, what can we do to put that audience or that member of the audience into the driver's seat, looking through this yes. actor's eyes yeah. and right. relating to this experience? Yeah. And if they connect, I think that sucks everybody. In. And there is a couple times in the movie too where mm -hmm. Harrison Ford they are pushing his face into the wall and things. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you knew yeah, that the gun was in his throat, yeah, the gun was that. deep in his throat. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, that that must have hurt. I mean, that was some yeah. really good acting. Yeah, and, and again, being a former actor, I can, I can tell you that having to pay that stuff off so that it looks real, mm -hmm. it is not easy. It is a true <laughs> skill set, and there has to be the uh, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but the the tossing into the floor. That was not a stuntman. Right. No. That was Harrison Ford yeah. being thrown into the like ground pain. face first. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's immaculate. And it's, you know, that's that's where I really do give someone like Harrison Ford total outright kudos yep. to not only look awkward, but to look put upon. Right. Yeah. To take the hits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Knowing your numbers and thinking you are info educated. I am, of course, referring to a little bit inside of the same scene. Mm-hmm. Where everybody stop what you're doing, if you're working or screwing around at work right now. And what I'd like you to do is, I would like you to, in your mind's ear, tell me what your wife's phone number is. Okay? Now tell me your daughter's phone number. Okay? Now your dad's phone number. Now I'd like you to tell me your work phone number. That's why I have Siri. You know, I just, gotta, <laughs> yeah. I just go to the phone and tell it who I want to dial. I, I, right? There aren't many movies slash television shows that focus on dialing of numbers much anymore. They'll, they'll have a phone and just flip it mm -hmm. out and it, it calls whomever you want. Mm -hmm. I know one phone number, two phone numbers. Mm -hmm. I know my phone number mm -hmm. and I know my phone number of my nine to five workplace. Mm -hmm. And you know 911. That's about all you uh, Yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously. And... That's. I hope all of you have the same perspective I did when the president does not know the phone number to call. Right. Right. I mean, and so he calls the information director right. to get the phone number. I love right. that. Right. That goes right back to what Chris was talking about, about endearing writing, where it is an instant graph to the audience. Right. And you win every time you do that inside of feature films. Keeping a movie timeless. I can't believe I got three points out of this one thing I saw. Mm -hmm. But it's true. While that phone is definitively old, what it was not was the brick phone from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> right. right. 
So it's not, you don't look at that phone and you go, my God, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only a couple of other timed notes inside of the film because we always know that forever, long after all three of us are gone and everybody listening, that Air Force One is going to be a plain, mostly white, with some silver and blue trim. Mm -hmm. Kind of all going to look the same. Right. Might be a little bit modified, might be a little bit more sleek in 100 years. Might right. be a spaceship. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if it's not a spaceship now. Yes. But that would make him an alien. Never um, mind. Yeah. Huh. No. Are you talking about the president administration? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, the, 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 the gist is here that keeping this movie timeless, they've done it. Right. They've even done it where Philly Cheesesteak, super duper college football guy, noticed that the game that the president is watching right. is actually from 1998. Or from 1988. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I love that. I love I love that somebody inside of the process of creating this film thought about stuff like that and put it in. Right. Mm -hmm. That is tremendous filmmaking that does not get done. Right. There are so many problems, little tiny little problems like that inside of feature films today. And mm -hmm. that they bothered to go to that length is amazing to me. Right. The Marshall Reconnection. The reveal that the president did not bail. Uh, as much as I am trying to put that into commonsensical nature now where I go, no, the president's got to get off. Mm -hmm. I beam with pride every time I see this movie and right. I see that scene. Right. Because it is the guy that will not cut and run, that will not leave his family, right. that even though he is the leader of the free world, he still will not cut and run. Right. I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. And they showed how it's in his DNA, right? He was a Vietnam veteran. He was a... Uh, a Medal of Honor winner, I believe, in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a guy who didn't cut and run. Yeah, and I, I want you to talk a little bit about that because you brought up a really interesting fact. We have never had a Vietnam vet as a president. Right. Uh, and we're likely not to because of just how time works. Right. I mean, we had uh, John Kerry right on the Democrat side, and we mm -hmm. had John McCain on the Republican side, but, of course, neither won. Mm -hmm. And now I think we're past that era. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think we'll ever have a president who that, I, served I, in Vietnam. That's really, really interesting. If it's, you guys, it's got to be the first time in the history of our country where we didn't have either a military leader or at least a veteran who served mm -hmm. in some war representing that era in the White House. Well, I think I think our current president, he had no military experience or no. That's correct. He Depends didn't. on how rough you think Chicago streets are. Well, right. well I might give him credit there. But in but, Kenya, uh, when he served in the army there, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> well, but but prior to him, everyone. Every president prior to that has had military experience? Uh, no. 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 Bill Clinton did not. Okay. That's the one of note because uh, I don't know if you remember the ad where they showed at that time like the previous 10 presidents and them okay. all serving at some point gotcha. and they showed Bill Clinton in his band uniform <laughs> showing oh. that he had not served. I did not remember that. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll find a link to it. Us political okay. hacks, we remember that. that stuff. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Anyway, I found that incredibly interesting that we do not have a presidential representative from the Vietnam War era and for those of you that have forgotten, the Vietnam War was a 15-year span. Right. Mm -hmm. And almost, it, actually it was was a about 10 11 year span yeah. for the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was a it spanned over a series of 15 plus years, which by the way, our existing wars inside of Iraq and Afghanistan have now spanned longer. Right. than the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. That that is a that's a sobering note that Chris and I talked about inside of a previous perspective review. And it is amazing to just think of things like that. Mm-hmm. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. Guys, this phrase drives me in many things that I do. 
mm-hmm. whether it's a, a, a parent that wants to buy a giant bag of candy, but she can't have candy because she's diabetic. Or it's my wife who wants to buy insert thing, but we can't right. because I know if I let her have one thing, then she's going to want a glass of milk as well. <laughs> and so that I, I have this at least a couple of times monthly that strikes me into my vocabulary. Sure. And I love it. It is a guiding principle that again leans back to a spirited president that is one that inspires. Right. And it's a mm-hmm. fictional president. Yeah, right. That Again, the giant thrust inside of this movie that I would have never figured out would push through so hard as it is. But it's interesting. You know, it's, it, it, and like you're saying, Mike, it affects this statement. It really is something that resonates with all of us. I mean, I'm in sales, right? I negotiate deals all the time. (laughs) And if you give in to a client, they're going to just keep asking and asking until you say no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That or like you give in and now you're backwards on whatever the deal was and you end up owing money. Yeah. I I, I totally agree with that. And I I am looking for the perspective in the other direction, though, believe it or not. So I want you guys to chime in. Go on over to our Facebook presence over at Facebook.com forward slash two guys talking. That's the number two guys talking. And start a new thread there and tell us. What is the other perspective on if you if you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to want a glass of milk? Because I don't know what the other perspective is, except there, nothing there, good. Or there's arsenic in the cookie. <laughs> the, uh, I wish I could get a date on this. See, give a mouse a cookie is a book, children's book. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> but basically it was a children's book. The plot was... Uh, the mouse asks, asks for a glass of milk. Then he requests a straw to drink of milk, a mirror to avoid the milk mustache, nail scissors to trim his hair in the mirror, and a broom to sweep up his hair in trimmings. Wow. Yeah. That's so I guess that's the other perspective. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, that, a lot more it, than just the cookie and the milk. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and I think it's a lot that, deeper. Yeah, that's also a microcosm of what, unfortunately, I think, and I don't think I'm alone in the room, what is wrong with government? Right. You can't just keep on giving right. and not have any expectation. Absolutely. Right. It, it, it just doesn't work like that. Making a president that is just handy enough. Mm-hmm. I love that there's no rocket science going on here. The president needs help to make the plane's gas go out. Right. He, he, he has flown airplanes before, but nothing like this one. Right. He has some very good common sense that's going on, along with some obviously close quarters combat skill. Mm-hmm. But he's not ninja. He doesn't no. walk up to a guy and... There's this story inside the most recent Jocko podcast. And again, it's over at JockoPodcast.com. And he talks about this guy that he knew. And a guy accosted this guy that he was referring to. And what he said was this. Faster than you can blink an eye, he snatched the cigarette out of the guy's mouth and shoved it up his nose. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's badass. That is, <laughs> that is, you know, that is ninja badass move. Guy's not going to recover very quickly from <laughs> burning cigarette in sinus cavity. Right. That's not what they gave us here. No. And I'm so appreciative of that. Right. I, I don't want ninja president. No. I want, I want again, to go back to Chris's point about being able to tie to a community. Right. To tie to the audience. Right. I want a guy that kind of fumbles his way through to success inside of fights like this. Right. And that's where they were going, I think. They wanted it realistic, and they wanted a realistic person yeah. that people can relate to. And I think that's what we got. We can do a little bit of street fighting, but that's about it. Nothing, yeah. Nothing yeah. too yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, he also, it's like he doesn't have a real gas tank either, which is totally true. For those of you that have never thrown down with anybody as an adult, mm-hmm. 
you'll note that your gas tank almost instantly disappears. Oh, yeah. You have an adrenaline dump. You have your little skirmish slash fight. Nobody's trying to gouge your eyes out or snatch the cigarette out of your mouth and shove it into your science cavity. But you instantly are, your energy is just gone. That and the, if you don't have your wits about, you don't know what to do inside of a fight. Very often, you will be confused. Right. It, it is the natural order of things where you really don't want to be in those situations because you probably won't know how to react in them. Right. And I think that it goes to, I mean, taking it further than that, even the way that they have him think is a realistic thought process. Yeah. They're about to execute the woman who was, I can't remember what her position was, but they're about, and, and they have it on the loudspeaker and they have her talking to the loudspeaker and he contemplates, oh my God, I got to do something. I've got to stop this execution. I'm going to do something. And the guy's counting to 10. He's going to get to 10. He's going to kill her. He's, he starts thinking about it. Weighs his options. He's about to do something, but he's hesitant. And it it seems to be that's how a real person would react. Especially a president. And I appreciated yeah. that. Because yeah. you did see the panic in his eyes. Like, yeah. it got down to three. Yeah. He's like, what do I do? What do I do? And, and then the anger afterwards, right. like he was going to go back up there and just shoot everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. I, I, as much as I love the movie Die Hard, and John McClane is essentially that Rambo character that yeah. goes and kicks ass. It's entertaining. And has a cigarette, and he's good to go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of that. It, it, and that, that also is a great movie. Mm-hmm. That we've actually done a perspective review over at Two Guys Talking to Com forward slash Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gist is that being able to be a normal man mm-hmm. with uh, in an extraordinary situation, I love it. Showcasing classified material. Inside of this, we have Gary Oldman slash the bad guy look at a detail that informs him that you can now refuel in midair thanks to Air Force One's ability to refuel in midair. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me at how what you might think is innocuous information could be something earth shattering inside right. of other circles. The best sample I can think of this is uh, there's a a real-life SEAL. His name is Chris Sinog, who I graduated high school with. Mm -hmm. And I I saw a review also on YouTube. And inside of there, he was not so much speaking out against the guy that shot bin Laden, Mm -hmm. which uh, we'll also link to in the show notes. But he was speaking out about what information was given out during the interview process with him on television. Right. And the one that they referred to, so this is not super-secret private information, is when he refers to the fact that none of our enemies should know how long it takes us to get from point A to point whatever inside of any kind of aircraft. There is no reason on earth to divulge that it took 90 minutes to go from A to outside the border of insert name of country, whatever it is. And so that's exactly what we're looking at here, where someone just goes, well, you know, if you're in a helicopter and the helicopter goes 174 miles an hour and you've got to travel 98 miles, then Mm -hmm. there's the number. Yeah. But if you don't know the speed of the super secret helicopter Mm -hmm. and you don't know exactly where they went over the border, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, now they know because you said how long it took. But that goes back to my point where I said there are no secrets anymore. I saw not too long back where... There was something put out in the media that we were going to launch some cyber attack, some covert cyber attack against what some other country. Well, if it's covert, you don't put it out in the right. media, right? right. Yeah. But there, so there are no secrets, and he's exactly correct. Yeah, that, you don't that, you don't put those details. Yeah, out. that that whole thing of going, you know, we're going to go in hard and beat ISIS. None of that needs to be aired anywhere. Wow. Right. What needs to happen is there needs to be a whole bunch of tattered black flags inside of a newsreel. Tell us afterwards, right? 
<laughs> Show me some tattered black flags after. I'm like good. the good old days. I'm good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the escape and ramp combination scene. This is just fun. I yeah. love it when they can take all of these tiny little details that don't have to be done with a whole bunch of exposition. Mm-hmm. They can culminate into something that is absolutely easy to understand. Everything from looking at the 30,000 number inside the digital numbers, mm-hmm. exposition. The fax machine that is not only sending, but then the fax machine that's receiving, mm-hmm. exposition. The fact that they're standing there with parachutes, exposition. The fact that you get the blaze of the soundtrack slash score, the ramp comes down, the soundtrack swells, exposition. It is one of the perfect exposition scenes I can think of. Mm-hmm. Because exposition, for those of you that don't know, can be death inside of movies and television. If you do it wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. You all have seen a movie and or television show where it all goes wrong. One that we pick on inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. regularly is National Treasure. Mm-hmm. A good movie that could have been much better if they just didn't try to milk the exposition scenes. Mm-hmm. I do not need A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. And then I figure out Y and Z are. I don't need all of that. I need A, B, H, and then let me figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know where writers fall off the train of you guys don't get it, but it happens regularly inside of Hollywood. I find that people are challenged when when you mislead. You mislead, you're trying you know, you're going toward an obvious point, and then they get sucked in when you change direction. Yeah, and you have a great subplot that they don't see coming out of anywhere. Right? Yeah, and they're just yeah. in awe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The bad guy and the president meet. It's wonderful. It's showdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman in a very over the top, very soliloquying role pulls off a very good villain in a soliloquying role. Right. Another very rare thing that happens inside of Hollywood, and I have to totally give it to Gary Oldman on that. Right. He's able to pull off somebody that's absolutely over the edge along with his actions, mm-hmm. right. but just the screen presence of mm-hmm. Gary Oldman yeah, is he's amazing. A, he's a very aggressive, vile guy in this scene, right? And he's, as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's slamming Harrison Ford's <laughs> face into a board full of buttons and mm-hmm. has the gun jammed in his throat. I mean, it was really well acted. Then you really start to hate the guy even more than you already did right. at that point. Yeah. yeah. You know right. what I really like too about this movie and i don't think we really talked about it during the watching of the film is that there's something to be said for having the russia versus u.s thing mm-hmm. that is now i think starting to recrop back up what do you think Phil? i agree absolutely yeah. in real yeah. life you we're definitely seeing that yeah. crop back up because it's a matter of respect yeah right and i yeah. think it's a case that the russians feel like they're no longer that world power that they used to be that yeah, would right. compete against us and yeah. i think there's a little animosity there yeah, define the feelings that were detailed about reagan when he was in office and what was going on across the across the pond with russia you know i think with with russia i think it really was a case that people saw how reagan turned what i think russians viewed america as this other mighty country right this mm-hmm. other strong military country and realized that we weren't all about the military, that our economy was strong and booming and Americans lived in a, in a lavish lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think so many Russians saw this and said, how come they can do it and we can't? And maybe communism does not work, right? And so that, I think that was that slow change, right, where we called perestroika, 
where um, I forget uh, who was the leader of. Is that Gorbachev? Gorbachev, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I think he he admired Reagan. I think he also admired Margaret Thatcher over in England with, with what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, being able to make a sausage that started with uh, the filling of perestroika. There's no question about it that that mm-hmm. was a it was a game changing element inside of Russia, and frankly dovetails perfectly into this film because Absolutely. it's yeah. exactly what he's talking about. You have essentially devolved my culture into one that is not working because, insert whatever his reasoning was. So, again, the, Chris and I have talked about this many times inside of movies and, and television. When you can make a villain that you can somehow get behind, even though he just blows guy's head off point blank, right? you have done something really extraordinary, and that's what they made here. And just a sidebar on this, and this is from, I believe... A daily news and analysis but when you go and uh you know you look at lists and i know people love lists mm-hmm. and the 2016 top 10 most powerful people in the world number one vladimir putin yeah mm-hmm. number two angela merkel mm-hmm. germany number germany, three uh-huh. barack obama yeah so you know when you talk about is the competition there is that competition back yeah i think there is a yeah. a competition there and we are vying for that top seat again absolutely yeah well and i think that is an even more important element when you consider the election coming up in a very short period of time mm-hmm. and it is interesting too chris just to touch on what you were just saying there i think it's almost a case that there are some people in the country who believe oh we don't get respect from europe so we've got to do this and that mm-hmm. whereas in actuality people respect us because of our leadership in the past mm-hmm. and the kind of leader that we had leading our country and that's where i think we're falling behind and that's why people are looking at putin saying this guy knows how to lead Right or wrong. Right. The question that drives us. Are you going to let him kill your baby, Chris? I'm going to get to that scene later when we talk about the favorite scenes. I don't want to blow it now, but we will. You know what? It's a matter of... I've got this great actor. I've got this great writing going on. i got this great movie. People Mm -hmm. are going to love it. I'm going to insert humanity. Okay. And realistic humanity. Yeah. And... I love it. I mean, it, it's it sells it for me. What's his limit? His limit is, you know, I'm the president of the United States. This is my priority. That's t- I mean, you know, that's that is an important function, but it doesn't trump my family. Wow. So, super powerful, Philly. No, I think you, I think you're exactly right. I think that uh, scene where it comes down to, you're no longer the president of the United States, but you're a father. So, what do you, what are you going to do? What's most important to you? I agree. I think the thing in, at that scene, it changes his perspective on what he needs to do. Right. You know, he wants to take that hard stand and say, we're not going to negotiate with terrorists. But wait a minute. Now you're talking about my kid. Totally different situation. Yeah. Right. And I, again, I love the balancing act that we get inside of that scene that eventually morphs into something very, very positive, which is good. Right. And that's where we actually ask you guys. We'd like you to go to our website over at whatcopswatch.com. Click anywhere inside the web form on the right hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us. The dude's got a gun to your kid's head. Are you going to let him pull the trigger? Or do you give him a glass of milk? CNN and making striking calls before all the information is there. I just wanted to leave this right over here. A two-plane transfer sequence. The concepts that work. This is the magical scene that everybody loves inside of this film. It is electric. It is probably back then outside the realm of 
people imagining that you could do this mm -hmm. and it working, mm -hmm. but it's real. Yeah, right. This is a transfer process. You know what's funny about transfer process? I think when we're watching it together, every one of us is like, oh my gosh, I couldn't do that. Oh my God, how would you do that? Because yeah. you're really just flying out there on this wire. Yeah. It is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, it's extraordinary. And frankly, you know, thank you again, Mr. Barnes. It's physics. Right. It's absolute physics and right. training. Again, we get back to the whole, the whole T word. Mm -hmm. That's all these guys do is train to go from one plane to another Absolutely. on a wire. Uh, in particular, when the president is evoked, it instantly becomes something different, and then you lean even harder on your training. And this scene brings closure to the movie. I think yeah. it's I think yeah. it's a good closing scene, and you know you do get movies perhaps that don't close it out right and stuff. But this scene, I think, brings that closure in a dramatic way. So you've got a dramatic scene at the end; it brings closure to it, and the things happen that you want to happen. Yeah, you know, you, you get the president off the plane. Mm -hmm. You know, the other plane becomes Air Force One, and that. Those details, I love. Yeah, this is does the closing that, of the envelope that, that, that Chris has talked. Does talks that about. really happen? You know, is yeah. that yeah. so? So the call sign Air Force One. It's not just the plane that's painted with the presidential seal. It says Air Force it's One. Whatever right. plane the president is yeah. on. Yeah. And when we uh, when we bring on our guest Secret Service agent, mm -hmm. maybe he can shed some light on that and actually confirm that I'd done. A little bit of training with Secret Service, uh, gone over uh, some of the techniques and working rope lines and and protective details and things like that. Mm -hmm. And some of that, some of it was accurate, but they are big on call signs mm -hmm. uh, as to uh, who are we going to designate as this and that and the other mm -hmm. thing. And important in their security measures, mm -hmm. I guess. I guess uh, we can get confirmation when we bring him on. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, I'm glad that the writers had time and had the drive to go and perhaps research that or to include those details in there i think yeah. it made it I, I i really do love that again that tiny little mix of what might be farcical with mm -hmm. what is real world real bah, real world value right total thumbs up which actually leads us to our last good the flying daughter scene I love it. Even as I think about it right now, I'm welling up because I love that scene. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of really great value going on in the scene. One, you've got this awesome, inspiring scene of transferring from one plane to another where the planes jockey and movement to use physics to move people to safety. Love mm -hmm. that. But more importantly, you again, for all you haters out there, you have this swell of a soundtrack that absolutely amps up everything that you're watching. Right. What I would tell you to do is put this into either your DVR or we watched it online on Hulu Plus. Put it in and turn the volume down during this scene. Right. Does it feel the same? Absolutely not. And no. so, it, again, it's that it is the mix of true filmmaking, efficient filmmaking that succeeds. It I love it. It appeals to the subconscious. And I think that I think that that's that way in lots of films. You yeah. know, it's your signature films. You go out and hear the soundtrack to Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. It makes you think of that movie. You yeah. hear the Star Wars soundtrack. Mm -hmm. It ropes you into that movie. Yeah. And where they do it here subtly, I mean, you may hear that and not think of Air Force One, mm -hmm. but I think subconsciously it still sucks you into the theme. Yeah, and I again, it gives you that super pump of patriotism. Right. Yeah. Th this scene probably <laughs> even, even, even over the beginning of the film where it's super laden with all kind of patriotism, this just really kicks in the ass and goes, hey, man, this is awesome. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. This is the big grand finale. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, really it's good. really good. 
Uh, we're running way long inside the perspective review during whatcopswatch.com of 1997's Air Force One, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Take the usual podcast hosts and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast matrix hosting and experience a completely different world of podcast hosting. What is the podcast matrix Dead end job, lackluster love life, poor social skills. Sometimes reality sucks. What better way to find a brief escape than with video games? Let Two Guys Talking Horror take you on a journey through the dark side of gaming with Game Over. The history of survival horror in video games. Get in on all the pixelated gore at twoguystalkinghorror.com. That's twoguystalkinghorror.com. When it comes to security and law enforcement procedures, there's no such thing as too much information. Come get your free helping of free field training from me, Officer Tommy Model, now at freefieldtraining.com. That's freefieldtraining.com. Hi, I'm Chief Mike Force, and you're listening to whatcopswatch.com on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Everyone, welcome back to WhatCopsWatch.com's perspective review of Air Force One, 1997, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Just as every movie has the goods, there's also the bad. Not a whole lot of bad inside of this film, which is good. However, there were some glaring points that we had to put inside of here. So they had to go somewhere. The white parachutes. We see some very skilled black ops operators inside of this <laughs> episode. The very of, beginning, yeah, very that, beginning. That of the would movie. Uh, yeah present a distinct target coming through. <laughs> you know, coming through the the dusk or evening time. Yeah. Uh, the the only thing I can think there is that they did that to have some contrast of the all black clad characters, mm-hmm. so that you'd actually see something other than muzzle flash. I, I'm not entirely sure there, mm-hmm. but it was glaring too. Mm-hmm. Again, we try to focus on things that don't tend to be so nitpicking. Right. But, uh, you know, are they special operators? 
or are they not special operators? And speaking of special operators, Phil, how about the 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 sniping skills? <laughs> these, of these are world class that? special ops folks. As they're blown around in the air, <laughs> they they perfectly nail each person they want to yeah. take out with their gun. Yeah. Now, yes. to be truthful, we are eventually going to have Chris Sinog again, my mm-hmm. my high school graduate, then seal of twenty plus years on mm-hmm. to do the under siege perspective review. Good. And I will ask him for yeah, sure. Ask him. That'd be interesting. If, uh, my guess is that they probably do train all that stuff. Right. Yeah. They now, do have I, a laser sight. I mean, they get the you know, but you are blowing around in the wind and uh, <laughs> and I mean, the guys that are stationary can't hit you, but you yeah. hit them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. One, I know, I do know that like all of those firefights that you see inside of movies and Memorial, in particular Black Hawk Down, mm-hmm. inside of Black Hawk Down, no doubts, it was like hundreds dead compared to the two guys that were firing from inside of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And it's true. that there, There's a reason why we have elite military Absolutely. force, yeah. and it's because we are elite. Mm-hmm. When you can have you know several magazines worth of ammunition right. and fell half an audience inside of a crowd, right. that's elite. Right. Mm-hmm. The concept of the Secret Service making sure the president gets off the plane. I'm mixed on this one because, like I told you guys when we talked about the escape pod, I do want him to get off the plane. Right, but the movie's over. <laughs> yeah, right. no, no <laughs> unless the girl grabs a machine gun and right. is able to murder everybody. Right, but uh, you also, if you remember that one scene though, when they get him to the pod, mm-hmm. he's in there, and there are t- two Secret Service agents left, and they both get killed. Right, so there's nobody there to force him to go at that point. Right. Yeah, right. so now he's on his own. Yep. Yeah. Right. And again, uh, we start, again started talking about Reagan and the the event of the Reagan assassination attempt, mm-hmm. and that's what Secret Service agents do. Right. They yeah. they they go. President needs to be out of harm. If he's in harm's way, I insert myself inside of absolutely. Harm's way. And, and you were t- you're talking about elite individuals. These guys are highly trained, and the way their mind works is just. It works opposite the way your average yeah. reaction would be. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I would right. compare them very much to firefighters that are very well dressed. Right. And that nobody runs into a building. Chris, you you and your brethren as well, you guys run towards where things are going wrong. Right. And it's just being wired differently, especially right. based on training that you take. Correct. Where are the U.S. fighters? So the U.S. fighters peel off after the fueling jetliner blows yeah, up and they go for coffee or something i don't know yeah exactly i'm where thinking they not so much oh we're over restricted airspace we'll just leave the president here right yeah it's, i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so either i i understand that they have to be gone so that the enemy jets can then come right and then right. then the cavalry comes into the rescue i get i get that in the right. want in the in the development of build but it just seems to me that if they've been this great in finding a way to make it happen, right. why couldn't they get after it by having them there right. mm-hmm. and doing exactly the same thing while they're protecting the president to begin with? Right. It is interesting. There is a gap there. There's, a gap. <laughs> yeah. There's an absolute yeah. gap from when that one the tanker explodes and the fighters say, hey, we got to peel off. And they peel off and then all of a sudden... Hey, where are they? Because now here comes six MIGs and they're on the president. You know? It's not like they couldn't catch up. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it definitely a bad. Uh, thankfully, the, again, the pace, to speak the pace yeah. again, because of the pace, you're able to push right by it. Yeah. Throwing your plane in front of Air Force One. Yeah. I, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more recognition for this guy that just gave his life mm-hmm. to save the president. But it was like. Oh, okay. Well, 
Johnny just blew himself up there, yeah. and uh, kudos, and then everybody's cheering. But, you know, that was a pretty cool scene. Cause it I, was I a great scene. I remember that movie. It, it was the, a great scene. The missile is going to hit Air Force One, and this fighter dives in front of it with his jet and yeah. blocks it. It's just yeah. great, it's I, great like scene. A secret I would, I would just like to see a little bit more recognition to the guy, yeah. well, I, who's I, I, probably going to be the Medal of Honor winner, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, when I put it inside this listing, the reason I put it inside the listing is, hey, would you mind threading a needle from about 700 miles away right. real quick? Yeah. Right. Because seriously- Right. Missiles move at more than sonic speed. That's a problem. Right. Jets can move at more than sonic speed. That is a bigger problem. Right. And now you've got to have the plane be at exactly the right instant behind the behind Air Force One. Well, and that was that was especially another, broadside. That was another problem so. that we saw, I think, throughout the film or a couple times in the film with the missiles. I mean, you know, we've got a seven forty seven. How fast is that thing going and they launch the missile? And it has time to lumber out of the yeah, way. Yeah, lumber right. out of the way and, you know, throw the, <laughs> the throw flares, the flares yeah. out. I, this is such a weird segue into this, but the uh, jets that were used on 9-11, mm-hmm. a lot of people are under the impression that anybody can sit down and fly an airplane. You know, mm-hmm. the stick, you pull up on the stick and you go up. Right. You know, you turn right, you turn right. Right. That is not how it works. It, right. That You can get on a, a flight simulator on your computer and you can kind of fly a plane. Right. Yes, but that is not flying a plane. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is way more than just jerking out of the way and suddenly the wings turn and now you're at mm-hmm. 180 degrees and missile can't possibly hit you. Again, they push past it fast enough inside of the pace inside of the movie. They do. But it's absolutely real. That, they do. That I, I wish they'd have been able to do something different there. They mm-hmm. do. And on the same note, I love how they set that up with him having the phone in his pocket yeah. going over yeah. you know, a little bit of knowledge that he has of the defense systems of that plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And It actually you know, reminded me of another... I thought that was cool. Yeah, it reminded me of another film that I think, Phil, you kind of urged on the decision, almost the executive decision, to review another movie called Executive Decision. And it's because inside of that, you do have a bunch of that flight stuff. Right. So much so that Kurt Russell himself is also a pilot. Right. That, that's another great movie where you're getting a whole bunch of input. And the president inside of that movie has to make a decision. The executive decision. Absolutely. Yeah. What the hell happened on Air Force One crashing? <laughs> and it's true. I, I will never crap all over this movie. I never will because it's that good. Right. It's right. great. The end sequence of this movie, though, yeah, what were, were, were the special effects guys at the lunch? I don't know, but you know when the, the plane is first coming down, starts, hit, starts hitting the water, it looks good at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, but then when it starts to roll and break apart, it looks like some eighth graders got involved and showed them how to break up the plane yeah, and make I, it look good. The only thing I can equate to this is there's a there's two things actually there's uh, there's two jet crashes that I remember seeing that are on video. One is landing in water. And it spins off to the right, and you can see it crack open like an egg, and luggage flies out along with them, what I'm assuming is seats and passengers, spills out like like a pinata. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we kind of know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that was after this movie was made, right. so they might just not have had the the footage to do that. the The second one is that one where, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was in California, and inside of California, a plane lands. And the entire tail assembly catches a bed of rocks as it lands on the front end of this runway that's attached to the ocean. So the tail pops off, and you see it. It doesn't do the pirouette-ness that this one does, but it does something very similar where you see the physical characteristics of this very large, heavy plane 
spinning in ways that it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So somewhere inside of the special effects that we have really revered inside this episode, mm-hmm. something fell off the right. goofy crapometer. I don't. I don't and know it's what, unfortunate too because it's right yeah, at the end. And yeah. It. It be. They could have done a little bit better job, or even if. They didn't even show the whole breaking up of the plane. They just went into the water. would be better off yeah, than what they showed. Something. I'm not sure. I, it's it's the only piece that I didn't like, and it's really sad, too, because it is the destruction of the guy that really needed to pay, and he paid. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. paid big. That's all we've got inside the bads. What did you guys think about bads inside of Air Force One? Again, go over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com, two guys talking. That's the number two guys talking. Start a new thread there. Chime in on one of the ones that's there that talks about Air Force One in particular, the bats. Our favorite scene. I love finding out what people's favorite scenes are. Now, there are a few caveats that you have to remember inside of favorite scenes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about the colloquial favorite scenes inside of this movie. Get off my airplane. Get off my airplane is a perfect sample. Everybody (laughs) loves that because, hey, it's the bad guy getting his blah. Uh, The cartwheel, the terrible looking cartwheel inside of this plane. That's another one that people mostly mention. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking for something a little bit deeper, not only from my co-hosts here, but also from you, the audience. Chris, what have you got for your favorite scene inside of Air Force? I mentioned it before. My favorite scene is the scene where the bad guy is about to kill his daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. And he relies on that sense of being a father Mm -hmm. and his humanity and says, you know what, I'll do it. My favorite scene is that because it was realistic. Yes. And it it sold it to me. And Harrison Ford, like I've said all along, is an outstanding actor. Yeah. And that made me relate as a father and a person, a human being. So that's my favorite scene. I love when things like that can tie together. It it, it makes a product, especially inside a media circle, mm-hmm. something that much more impactful. Right. Philly Cheesesteak, what do you, you know, got? I guess uh, I'm going to uh, my favorite scene. Maybe this sounds a little bit cheesy, but for me, it was toward the end there when they're asking, is the president on the plane? Is the president on the plane? And then they finally say, we are changing our call sign from Air Force 58 to Air Force One. That kind of gave you that patriotic chill and that good feeling that yeah. you know uh, no that is a great for one, the battle is. throughout the movie I, I i just like that scene at the end yeah, you know good. what that also does it, it, there are very few movies that do this well i think it's where it takes a piece of what we're assuming of mm-hmm. course is real world knowledge where when the president leaves an aircraft and goes to another one then that one is air force one right right uh but it's a little piece of real world knowledge that maybe people didn't know before they yeah. saw that scene and that education piece, it's why we do all this inside of Perspective Reviews, because it's that impactful and fun to learn. My favorite scene inside the movie has got to be a very strange one. <laughs> We're <But> ready. <laughs> it kind of goes back to what Chris is talking about, where I wish someone like President Marshall could be as bold to the people that are walking behind him as they exit the Russian embassy, where you can mm-hmm. say they're just going to have to deal with what I said. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's that's where the book lies. Look, there's the carpet. We get to walk it, or mm-hmm. you don't have to walk it. But then you're out. Right. I, that the the concept to go back to it again. The concept of extreme ownership, where I think we should do this, and then you ride the wave, whether right. it's good or bad. Right. You've taken the choice to ride the wave, and then you run it out, and you hope that the people that are on your team are riding it along with you. 
as opposed to laying tire flats in front of you or pushing things in front of the way so that it will not work. Right. And I love that. I love that inside of this movie. Again, so much that that's why I concepted these podcasts where we can stand behind and revel in presidents that you actually like. And going back to Theodore Roosevelt, who had that famous speech where he said, it's not the critic that counts. It's those who actually walk in the arena. Right. It, it yeah. goes along with exactly yeah. what you're saying. I'll make the decision. I'll own it. I'll walk it. I'll live with it. And and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you have the courage to make the decision. Right. Yeah. Where everybody else may stand on the sidelines. That's a great reference you. point. The man in the arena. That is, that's a great reference point because yeah. that is so true. Yeah. And again, I love that there are so many pillars of being able to take and stick in your life inside of this film Mm -hmm. and they all lead you into the way of common sense Mm -hmm. Uh, i I love that and it is why it is a pinnacle inside the perspective review series how about we have our it's it's the 2016 election Mm -hmm. uh, coming up yeah and how about on uh whatcopswatch.com two guys talking podcast network we actually put up a fictional election between president dave kovic Uh or bill mitchell his, uh-huh. his other alias, uh-huh. sure, or President James Marshall. <laughs> That's incredibly well let's, thought out. Let's let's have our uh, fans that. go over there and vote. Yeah, because I mean, let's face it, the fans might not want to vote for anybody who's actually running this year. Yeah. They can go at, go out and yeah. vote for a fictional character. Yeah, let's That's see very, who wins. That's very well said. We'll put that again over at whatcopswatch.com inside the perspective review page that you can find for Air Force One over at whatcopswatch.com. The franchise. When we talk about franchises inside of perspective reviews, the bottom line is that this film, again, was a corn combine of cash. Mm -hmm. It made mad bucks over the years. So could you see another Air Force One style movie that features James Marshall? I don't think so. I think that they, uh, a lot of times, I don't know, I think that they get a movie that makes that much money and to have a sequel, I'd say no. To have... Maybe maybe a similar theme, but they did do that. I mean, if you looked at you know Harrison Ford's you know Patriot Games and the other movies similar to that, you know the Jack Ryan movies and such, Clear and Present Danger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They they did have it's those. one man against a right. force, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the theme was great, I and uh, I would bet that those movies made a lot of money too. Yeah, they did. So, but to have a sequel. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be a sequel, but you know how Hollywood seems like they give it 30 years and then they remake the movie? I could see them remaking it using different characters, some advanced technology. They recycle it. I just don't know that they could they could simulate the acting. I, they I, could I, simulate I, the writing. I, think I don't know. What, I think what they'll have is, you know, they'll have a re... It won't be like a remake. It'll be a re-envisioning, whatever the hell they're going to call it. Right. And it will be the president in peril on Air Force One, but not called like Air Force One again. Right, you know, it won't be something like that, but it, th- it, there will be something. And the present will be Leonardo DiCaprio. And <laughs> yeah. He'll be trying to save global warming. Or Chris, Chris, Chris Pine, you know, is right. Uh, yeah, there you yeah. Go. yeah, who uh, yeah. you know took over Jack Ryan. Yeah, right. uh, that, that's too true. I, I am very glad that they didn't decide to jump him back into Air Force One Two. Right. You right. Know, it just, <laughs> I, 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 I'm so happy when Hollywood decides to not do that, especially when it finds a cash cow. Yeah. Because it really does do that now inside of the realm of 2016. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that, that cycle that you'd referred to is also terribly in present danger. I, I it, 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 It's spectacular how they jump in with both feet and they really, really show. 
We've come to the point of the WhatCopsWatch.com podcast, a perspective review of Air Force One from 1997, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, where we rate this film, Air Force One. The scale works thusly. A 10 is awesome. We're all rescued via harness cable, and the day is good. Down to one, we're the guy inside of the terribly looking cartwheel plane. <laughs> Everything starts at a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Chris and Philly Cheesesteak, there are no halvesies. Chris, what do you got? Although we had a few bads in this movie, and I would, uh, I was inclined to rate it an eight. But you know, the writing and Harrison Ford, I mean, it, it just, it sells it for me. It's a great movie. It's entertaining. I'm entertained every time I watch it. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with a nine. Wow, that's a great score for it this is. movie. Phil, so what do you generous. got? No, uh, it's funny. I I think I'm just gonna stick with the eight there, Chris. I think I think it's a great movie, very enjoyable movie. If you like action movies, it's a great movie to see. There's a lot of good things to it, and I think the storyline flows. But for me, I guess when I'm, I think it's an eight, just because when I think of my top, let's say, 20 movies, mm-hmm. this doesn't make that list for me. So I'm gonna keep it as an eight. Uh, I think that's also some really good support. I look at this movie. Mostly because of the soundtrack. I, I know, again, all of you hate when I start talking about soundtracks and scores and stuff, but whenever I feel uplifted by something that I'm watching or experience, I love going back to it. Right. Uh, my, my pinnacle that I love to go back to just because of what I hear mm-hmm. inside of it is From the Earth to the Moon from HBO's original series mm-hmm. um, selections. And the reason is because of the soundtrack and what you hear that transports you instantly back to the 1960s inside of the great space race that mm-hmm. I don't think will ever be matched. Mm-hmm. Uh, even inside of our political discussions worldwide, I don't think we're ever going to see that right. that united zeal of a country to beat somebody else to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so it really is magical. The um, I'll, We'll link off to that series as well, something that I desperately want to do a perspective review of. Um, that's a great series. This does that for me as well. It takes me back to a time inside of politics that I really, really liked. It's not that it was 1997, but that it is kind of featured earlier, like Phil was talking about. Right. That late 80s, I really enjoyed the politics of the Absolutely. late 80s. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because of my political lean. It just was a very interesting time to be alive inside of politics. And this brings that nostalgia factor back for me and an interesting time to be an american yes right i mean it changed the whole world in the yeah. 80s yeah, yeah without question and uh this absolutely is one that if it's on television i stop and i watch every single minute right. of the rest except after the cartwheel <laughs> well cartwheel i kind of pull the ripcord and that's the question when you you don't have you're not watching the tv you're not looking at the tv but if you hear that from the other room does that soundtrack suck you in to go and see what's on yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah. every single time uh reruns of hill street blues also do it for me too yeah. you start playing the hill street blues theme song mm-hmm. my butt's in a couch for a long damn time right <laughs> i'm with you when the little <laughs> yeah. mermaid music starts playing, like, there you go. <laughs> gotta go gotta go see it <laughs> gotta go get Get some. Uh, yeah, the um, I, I think with this one, I'm gonna go average. I'm gonna go seven. Oh, look at that! That surprises me. It's full of nostalgia, and what really pushed me over the edge for it is this would not be in my top twenty either, Phil. Oh, there you go. Okay, that's a really great way to look at movies, especially in perspective review. But this wouldn't be inside of my top twenty. The soundtrack might. I might if I had the top twenty scores, yeah. probably be in there somewhere because it is that monumental. It, 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 everybody talks about wanting the Darth Vader marching music mm-hmm. to be the music that's playing when they're walking in. Mm-hmm. I'll take this. Yeah. 
I'll take not, this one. Not so much at your wedding. <laughs> so that's that's a bad thing. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of Air Force One 1997, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, starring Harrison Ford? Let us know what you think by going to our website, whatcopswatch.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out that quick web form, and tell us, what did you think of Air Force One? Guys, thanks for joining me for another great presidential Thanks for having me on. Review. Thanks for having us. Again, Chris is available over at whatcopswatch.com across a multitude of podcasts over the years. Mm-hmm. He also guests inside of many Two Guys Talking Property podcasts. Right. You are a law enforcement officer veteran of 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. We love you for your service, but more importantly, for all of the educational tidbits that you provide to our audience that shows Hollywood how it kind of happens and then what really happens. Well, that's what I love about being with Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. It, it's not just a review of the movie or a review of TV shows, but we can get into an educational aspect. And i got to tell you, you know, today, in today's day and age, law enforcement needs all the avenues it can get to get out there and educate the public yeah. and build, uh, build trust, build community trust, and, build, and continue the uh, relationship with, that we have with our neighborhoods and communities. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people about what Copsource.com, first and foremost, in that, you guys are human too. Right. You guys happen to be wearing badges and you have belts with stuff on them. Right. But you guys, underneath all that, are humans just like everybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Uh, it really is true. Again, whatcopswatch.com for Chris. Over Philly Cheesesteak, Phil Tracy, mm-hmm. the newest addition inside the Two Guys Talking umbrella of educational podcasts. Your podcasts are so much fun because of the detail. Again, to go back to that analogy of treadmill, there's, a, there's something to be said for getting on a treadmill that's fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's all educational. You're not going to go read off Wikipedia entries. You're going to go get the perspective of a guy that was around right. during some of the most enduring podcasts you have, the ones where you actually were around and said Absolutely. the political process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, all of it is terribly educational, and we're so yeah. glad and and you know, to have you on the network. It yeah, is timely. definitely educational. It's, uh, alluding to what Chris was just saying, one of the reasons I like doing these podcasts. But even if you're just not into the history of it, there are these little facts in there that I think just amaze people how presidents are connected yeah. or what presidents have done or maybe something that you didn't even realize that what they did changed the way that we live today. And I think it's just interesting to hear about all these different presidents in their lives. Yeah. And again, for people that wonder why I podcast, what fuels me, it's all about the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Inside of this podcast, along, as, along with others that we have on the network, you will always get an original story that will help you know something you didn't know before you got in. Yep. You know, everybody has seen this movie pretty pretty much. Yeah. There's going to be the people that haven't. And right. they'll come in and they'll enjoy this podcast anyway. Uh, but the, the gist is that everybody's seen this movie, but now there's a whole bunch more that they've never even thought about right. that they can take into incorporation inside their perspective, right. inside of the perspective review of Air Force One 1997. It's needed. It's timely. And the reason it's needed, I think, is that we need to preserve that history, that teaching of history. I think we're losing that in america and i appreciate you two getting together and doing that yeah yeah uh, thanks Chris. yeah again education first and foremost the two guys talking no doubt about it until next time i'm mike wilkerson one of your hosts and i'm chris D. giuseppe one of your other hosts i'm phil tracy your third host thanks for listening and we'll see you next time
We're going to talk about Lincoln's Air Force One or no? <laughs> Thinking oh, no. his was, you know, <laughs> probably, chariot. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Short-lived. A little over, a little after Kitty Hawk. <laughs> uh, inside the Tone. 